So, Elliot Kemba, is it you? Is it your fault that I'm now receiving junk mail? <laughs> Did you <laughs> over fifties? I wish, I wish that had been me. I wish I were that clever. Somebody has done this. Somebody has signed me up for over fifties insurance information. Some bloody <laughs> and. Yesterday, I got a call from Sun Alliance. Hello, Mr. Clark. I'm phoning up about the inquiry you made on our website. And I, I thought it was spam. I thought, ah, <laughs> oh, man, you're a filthy, you're a filthy spammer. And now you, now, now you're doing telephone marketing. So I think uh, they've just found out what your, you've entered your birth date on one of these websites. Somebody has done this on my <laughs> behalf and I don't know who it is. I, and then, the guy on the phone yesterday said, oh, no, we're a reputable company. We wouldn't do anything illegal. We're the people that have got Michael Parkinson on the adverts. <laughs> the guy said that on the phone? He did say that on the phone, yeah. So today, as it happens, I get an envelope from Sun Alliance with all this information about their over-50s health insurance plan. And just like on the ads, you get a free pen. They're not, they don't make it up. It's You actually get a free pen. Well, that'll be – I mean, that'll be useful – when you have to write something down, I said, I don't write things down very often. I mean, it's, it's just, it's the 1990s. Do we need pens for things? Is it, is it a nice pen, Andy? Is it a nice, is it an over 50s pen? If you're over 50, you use pens, apparently. <laughs> so I'm told you still use pens. It's a blue pen, even though it writes black, which always makes me think that it's going to write blue and I can't have a pen that writes blue. No, are you, oh, you're like me. Got to be black ink, right? Mm, absolutely. But yeah, the trouble um, is, I'm not over 50. Yeah, I'm not even close. Oh, you're not? Not over 50. No. Oh, so, oh, that makes this, that makes me to make sense. So someone's done this saying that you're over Because I've been it. tweeting. I mean, I don't know. I suppose as you get nearer 50, you get more of this stuff. And then some bright spark. I think it's Dan. I think it's Dan Davis. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. You're calling him out. You'll never know. The stunts he pulls. <laughs> but, Anyway, somebody sign me up. So if it's not you, then I'll know that it's somebody else. No, I, I'm, I'm not that, I'm not that clever. I'm not that, uh, what's the word? Malicious. Vindictive. Oh, I see. I'm going to have to sign somebody up. If I find it is, find out who it is, I'll sign them up to find a Russian dating site. Find a Russian bride site. Oh, brilliant. So we're not going to have too much banter today. No, we have a serious, serious issue to discuss. We really do, because we are turning into a topical, a topical, not tropical, that'd be nice. In fact, it's actually snowing outside <laughs> my studio now. Have you, have you done the, the hashtag UK snow with your rating of, of how, of how snow it is? No, I can't be bothered with that. Oh, but it's for data aggregation. Oh, sod that. I just it's tweeted science. snow and, and a, and a photo. That's about as much as you can get. Uh, but it's not hashtag, no one can find it. This is not a topical news show, but last time we talked about Google buying that Nest thermostat. We did, that had happened at the time. Exactly. And this week, the big news is the UK government launching their Year of Code initiative. Side note, by the time we next record, will we have forgotten about this the same way I forgot about the Nest? No. No, this, this is, is gold. This is an ongoing... I don't think this one's going to go away. So I want to talk about year of code and I want to talk about how it was introduced and how it was explained on Newsnight. 
this week, which is when I think most people first started to hear about it. And I, I certainly I, didn't see it on the television. I didn't see it when it went live, but I saw it the following day because people were linking to uh, copies of the video on YouTube. Sure. And so we can talk about that quite a bit. And I think that I'd like to talk about what I think is the message maybe that it sends about our industry and what we do, which is not terribly complimentary, I don't think. Okay. So that was the sort of the plan for the for the show today. Good. Yeah. Well, I've I've written down some I've written down some some notes that I'll that I'll try and and look at while I'm speaking and, and forget all about. And then once we've finished recording, I'll read them back and think, damn, I wish I'd said that. I wrote some notes with my blue Parker pen. It's blue. The outside's blue, even though it writes black. That's the whole point. And you get the black refills. Yes, but I might just have to colour it in black with a big permanent marker with another pen. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's ridiculous. I should just buy a black pen. I have two vacuum cleaners, and I clean one vacuum cleaner with the other. How else would you do it? Hmm. Either either you thought about that for an entire minute, or no, I, no, it wasn't quite an entire minute. But we'll 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 cut that. <laughs> so, before we get into the meat of our conversation, then let's um, let's do a sponsor. Let's do it. So. Our first sponsor this week is Logical Elements. And I think they're actually perfectly suited for the topic today because Logical provide training for web designers and developers on a whole range of different technologies. In fact, they've been writing and delivering training courses since long before the web, 25 years in fact. They've developed courses for the BBC, European Patent Office, Rank Xerox, Motorola and uh, Virgin Media. Mm. Now, I know that there's plenty of choice when it comes to training providers, but Logical not only have enthusiasm, but they've got a lot of working knowledge too, because they've been working with developing with web technologies like PHP and MySQL and other server-side technologies for their clients for 15 years. So today, I want to talk about one of their online training courses, PHP for Web Designers. So on this course, you'll learn how PHP works and how to incorporate it into web pages. Useful PHP functions, simple content and markup management with PHP, working with CSV and JSON data, PHP in CMSs, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And this course is really going to be a benefit to web designers, especially those of us who work with PHP-based systems and applications. So you'll come away with a much greater understanding of PHP in general. How it can be used to manage markup and content more effectively, There'll be an insight into PHP in Perch and Expression Engine and WordPress. Plus, you get access to Basecamp that contains documentation, examples, and even some screencasts. And then there's the post-course follow-up if you need that too. PHP for Web Designers is happening over two, two and a half hour sessions on March 10th and 11th, and it costs just £225. But listeners to the show can get 50% off when they use the offer code unfinished when you book your place. That's a pretty good deal. Nice one. So go to unfinished.bz slash logical to find out more and book your place on PHP for web designers. PHP is one of those languages that I think everybody ends up learning and should. I think it's a useful one. Every It's everywhere. Everybody's using it. Yeah, I've never learnt what I would consider to be programming languages. Really? Because... I don't think that I have the kind of brain that 
works in that way, which is why I've never learned JavaScript. I'm quite happy with, what do they call it? Declarative languages? Is that how you define oh, it? Like the document-based stuff, like HTML. HTML, CSS I can do. Presentational now, stuff. Even some of the more technical aspects of CSS, things like nth child selectors, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, where you have, you know, N plus N, not whatever. Yeah, I can't even remember how it works now. That kind of stuff, that freaks me out. And that, that's about the li- my limit because, you know, I'm not a technical person. I'm yeah, you've a, got to get down to the computer's level to do that stuff. I'm a, I'm a designery person. I'm not a technical person. So I can understand... Results-oriented. Yes, and I can understand, you know, that certain things go inside parentheses and sometimes they're separated with commas and sometimes they're not. Do you think you've learned that in self-defense? In order to make the things that you want to make, you've you've uh, you've taught yourself or you've, you've you've made it through to to get there? Just sort yes. of pushed your way through the computer telling you it's wrong and, and developed a, a, a method? Through sheer determination, because when I started learning HTML, I mean, you know, the backstory being that I was making websites for years, you know, four, five, maybe six years mm-hmm. in front page and Dreamweaver, sure. because, you know, that's what we did. And when I decided that I wanted to actually learn to write HTML uh, by hand, mm-hmm. um, I did everything by trial and error. And I suppose like a lot of people that learnt CSS in the early days, I mean, we're talking sort of 2003, 4-ish. Right. The browsers were actually pretty... <laughs> and there was a lot of inconsistency. You know, you would you would write something, it might have been perfectly valid CSS, you would open it up in a browser and it didn't work. And the problem that we had back then was that we didn't know whether we'd done something wrong, we'd written the code wrong, or whether the right. browser didn't support it. Yeah. So everything that we learned, I learned, was just through brute force trial and error. Yeah. And that's how it got in there through you know, repetition, it would be, I wonder what happens if I, oh, it works. Yeah, the scientific process, right? You figure it out for yourself. That's, I think that's the way I learned as well. That's the way most people seem to learn. But there was no, um, I don't understand the, you know, the technicalities, the, the technical aspects of what parsers are doing mm. or what browsers are doing or anything like that. I don't understand where things might have come from, you know, why things go inside parentheses. I just know that they need to. Yeah. Th- this is, and this is, this is a good point because I think that most people learn in that order. At some point, you know, your curio- curiosity may take hold and you could say, well, you know, I, I wonder exactly what it is that, that this particular thing, and you go and have a quick look and you think, oh, that's interesting. It slips to the back of your mind, but it's always there that you sort of, you ventured in and you know that the information exists that explains what's happening underneath. And you eventually, I, I think, either if you're curious enough, I suppose, you go and have a look, you go and check it out and you play around with it and, and it slowly but surely solidifies into something you can use. Um, when I did... It's interesting you say that you don't have a, a, the mind that can understand programming. And it's a theory I've held for a while because at university, uh, where I did a year of computer science, which, which I think I dropped out of because it was useless, um, there was a, there was an interesting double bell curve of results. You had the, you had the students who were sort of at the 
35 to maybe 55% mark range where, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be mean, but they just didn't get it. Like there wasn't that thing. Uh, I think they thought that computer science was, was probably a useful thing to have, but I don't think it was their calling in life. And then you had the, 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 the guys with the 80 to, you know, to a hundred percent mark. And there were some hundreds that people that just had, had already been doing this course material for, for a good five years and just nailed it the whole way through. But everybody was kind of lumped into these two groups. The, the programmer mind and the non-programmer mind. And the course was very much aimed at the programmer mind. You jumped into these topics that people, that you were supposed to understand because there was almost no, you know, lower level, no, no beginning level of, you know, explanation on, on what was actually happening for a non-technical mind to get it. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it can just be that the way that a programmer mind or someone that understands this explains it to a non-programmer person is just totally uninteresting and the fundamentals are not there. And when you teach yourself the way, the way it sounds like you did, sort of similar to the way that I did, you end up with, you can end up with gaps, gaps in your knowledge where you, you kind of know how something works, but you never really know why or understand, you know, what's, what's happening. And that's why these, these, these things like PHP courses are just super duper useful because you can go through it. And even if you know half of it, the other half, you just think, Oh my God, I've been, I've been using that incorrectly. And of course you don't say this, but you just think to yourself, damn, that's good. Even now I can go to a jQuery talk or a, you know, a front end HTML talk and, and someone will explain something in a different way and I'll sit there and think, I, I did not actually understand this functionality. I did not understand what this person is talking about until just now. Well, I'm famously not able to plug two jQuery plugins together because, you know, I don't understand what needs to go inside which curly quote, you know, or which, you know, set of parentheses. I have no idea how it works. Oh, sure, but that's that's where your fundamental understanding of JavaScript would come in handy. jQuery aside, you know you need to know the, the syntax. But one and of the I things that, that puts me off wanting to learn JavaScript, and I don't know whether this is just me, but I know that I'm not going to be ever the best at it. You know, I look at, um, you know, I, I look at some of the amazing things that people write with JavaScript, you know, yeah. and I look at, you know, what the hell, Node or Christ knows what these other things are called. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go anywhere near that. And if that's the kind of the level that you need to do stuff in JavaScript, well, I'm never going to get there. So I may as well mm. just concentrate on what I know that I'm good at and, you know, buy in. It buy seems, in developing it seems infinitely need. deep, infinitely sort of complex and weird and, and foreign when you look at that level of, of stuff. It's, it's all based on a set of fundamentals that are as, probably simpler and, and less browser dependent than CSS ever was, ever was. I think the issue is, and the main thing that I've rationalized anyway, is that I carry with me a lot of things I brought from art and design and I brought them into the web work that I do. And other people would have come to the same place, but they'd have come in a different direction that had come from computer science, for example. Sure. Mm. And you'll be bringing with you stuff that I you know, don't know, can't conceive, um, don't need to know. Maybe. And it's Maybe. that kind of uh, juxtaposition of stuff that makes things work. So I, I don't necessarily think that I need to know how to learn JavaScript because, you know, 
I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna work with somebody that does. Perhaps not. Perhaps it's not a it's not a necessity. And if you no no no, it's it's just I don't think that everybody has to know everything, and that's something which is um, a little bit frustrating sometimes. You know, you talk to people about you know what you're doing, and it's like, oh well, have you tried this or have you tried that? There's like a level of assumption. Yeah, it's frustrating from the other point of view as well because you think you think oh this would be so easy for this person to fix if they if they had done a couple of hours of you know JavaScript you would just see this and it would be so easy to fix and you could make something I, I think uh, last week's episode you were talking about a, a header two different headers that changed for for stuff and nonsense side you know you wanted a different set of apes right yes and I was sitting there thinking man. Like it's not you don't have to do a heap of code to 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 make the difference between those two and to have them flip out you know say daytime nighttime it's not a it's not a lot of code to write it's quite a bit of understanding that that might have to go in but it's not uh unfeasible and then when you when you had done it you'd be like oh you know you feel like you've conquered something well here's the deal right I'm the person that comes up with these concepts. I'm the person that's wanting to think, well, okay, yeah, we'll do nighttime, daytime, nighttime apes. It wasn't that, but, you know, a similar kind of thing. Because sure. that's what I do. You know, my ideas are all, my brain is all about the, in inverted commas, creative, not necessarily about the implementation. Because, you know, I'll pay somebody that oh, can please. do the implementation oh, way better than I will. What? No, that's rubbish. I think that's... I think that's like the worst opinion. You could totally do it, or at least you could have a stab at it, and it wouldn't hurt anybody, and it'd take a little while. They, they, there's all this, there's all this, they, it's like the, it's like the violinist. There was a famous violinist who popped up out of nowhere one, one day, and uh, onto the famous violin playing scene, I suppose. And, uh, and they called him an overnight success, and he, he, he said, in a famous interview, he said, uh, yeah, I don't understand it. I, I practiced and practiced for 10 years, and then suddenly they call me an overnight success. He just practiced. He just played it. He just did it a lot. He wanted to do it. I can understand not wanting to do JavaScript every day for 10 years. I don't think anybody wants to do JavaScript every day for 10 years, but, but like a little bit, a little bit never hurt. And okay, but I'm not even, backwards. I'm not even JavaScript curious. <laughs> <laughs> well, one problem, one reason I think this is, is, is the tools are just so difficult. The tools are so arcane to use for, well, you write some JavaScript, and where does it go? Like, wh where is it running? I don't know. The browser has it. It's somewhere in the... If you're writing it on the server side, and you know, you can do that, but then you have to be in the, in the command line. Um, there was a, there was an effort a few years ago by people like, like Y, uh, the Ruby guy, who tried to make these interactive, interesting, fun, delightful programming environments where you were kind of in a shoebox and nothing could really go seriously wrong, but you could make stuff happen with code, and and it, it would point out when you did it wrong. And that's missing from the browser and from the JavaScript environment. It's a hard thing to make, so I don't think anybody will ever get it right. But man, you write JavaScript and you run it in the browser, and it's like, where, what's, where do I get into the state? There's a debugger? You know, where is it? It's, it's hard. I don't need to know this stuff, right? And I think this ties in quite nicely with our proper topic for the day. Uh, which is the whole year of code year initiative of code. and announcement. Because, I mean, just for people that maybe haven't picked up on the story, mm, um, yeah. the UK government is launching or launched this week a new initiative to get children coding, in inverted commas, in schools from an early age, which is an incredibly admirable and I think very, very important uh, objective. Mm. And the director of Year of Code, uh, a lady called 
uh, Lottie Dexter. She appeared on BBC's Newsnight programme with Jeremy Paxman this week and announced the year of code. And let's just say, and we'll talk about this a lot during the show, it didn't go down terribly well in certain quarters, <laughs> let's just say. Now, one of the biggest things that people objected to right at the very beginning was that uh, Lottie said, um, and I don't want this to be about Lottie, um, because, you know, just as a kind of a disclaimer, you know, I've contacted her a few times this week. Um, I've asked her on the show because I think it's such an important thing that, you know, she can speak to the industry for one, for one thing. I'd like to have her on the show. And also I've genuinely offered that, you know, I'll spend a day and I'll teach her HTML because, um, I think this is an important topic. She admitted at the beginning of the, of the interview that she couldn't code and that she was going to learn to code this year. Um, and lots and lots of people jumped on that and said, how can you have the director of a major government initiative about coding who doesn't know what code in inverted commas is? Um, wait, wait, wait. She doesn't know what code is or she herself cannot code. Uh, well, actually she says those are two very different things. She said, um, I can't code, but actually in the discussion, and we'll come on to this later on during the day, I, I wonder whether or not she really does know what code is based on her explanation to Jeremy Paxman, which we'll probably come on to in a bit. So that was the background to it, really. And a lot of people jumped on this Lottie can't code bandwagon, um, which I don't know. Do you think that's a red herring or not? Totally. I think it is. Yeah. A lot of people are going to disagree with me here, but I think that's just, it's just the laziest, dumbest little ad hominem British Let's get at this person for their personal attributes thing. I don't, I don't care if she can code or she can't. It's not the point and it's not what she's trying to do and she's going to learn. And so if she can't code by the end of year of code, then we've got a problem. <laughs> she, for, for me, this person is not the person who's going to be standing in the school where my hypothetical children are learning how to hypothetically code. That's not her. That's a teacher or someone else and some educator. With, with some sort of syllabus or curriculum for what they're going to teach these kids. So for me, she is a figurehead, a spokesperson for what she's trying to do. Um, and can I just say, like, I'm, I'm not on either side of this. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not saying for or against. I'm just disgusted by the, the whole opinion of this thing. Um, she's not, she's, she's a figurehead. She's a spokesperson. She's got the message out. And it sounds like she's done, you know, a reasonable job because we're all we're all bloody talking about it. But yeah, I mean, she's a PR person at the end. Of, of the course, day. yeah, and, and that's and that's that's what you need to get something like this started. Is you need someone who can go and talk to the government and get funding for it, who can go and talk to industry professionals. I think that we, if we web developers, we programmers, think we can do everything. We think, oh, you, what you need is a programmer, but you you don't. If Lottie if Lottie Dexter could code, I mean, I'd say go and go and you know go and get a job writing. You'll make much more money. You know, you're, it'll be much more rewarding than dealing with government. But, uh, you know, she's not. She's focusing on, on education. Now, I don't know quite how effective her curriculum that she's planning is going to be, but that, that remains to be seen. And that's up to her to, you know, provide for us and to show us that she's doing a good job. But, I mean, you know, just don't jump on her because she, she, she can't write code. A lot of people can't write code that, who, who understand the importance of it and want our, want our kids to be learning it. And that's the point, right? That's the point. It's not about her. It's about these kids who are going to need this skill in the next five to 30 years. And, um, well, you know, it's, it'd be good to have in school. I know personally, 
if I had had this sort of education in school, I would have jumped on it. It would have been, I would have been in the class early. I was the sort of kid who, you know, it may surprise you to hear that I was a bit of a class clown. And I had a lot of creative energy that was not being channeled successfully into sitting still and writing things down. That was, that's, that wasn't really what I was into. I was always on the computer or, you know, mucking around. And, you know, to have, to have someone say, look, computer skills are useful and important and everybody's going to kind of need to learn them would be, would, would have been great for someone like me who was interested in it anyway. We had nothing. Even at university level, it wasn't. I go back to the whole PR thing because as a PR person, as the director of this initiative, you know, it's Lottie's job to get the message out, which I agree she did, you know, because we're all talking about it. But, you know, and I don't think there's anything wrong in, in Lottie not being able to, you know, write any code hmm. or know the language or however we're going to describe this. I think that actually it would make a very interesting discussion it would be very interesting to read on an ongoing basis you know how she's getting on with the with the learning you know yeah, learning yeah, along with the awesome. kids if she like set if she set aside a year to learn to code then you know it would be fascinating to actually see that you know going on this is the point that i think everybody seems to have missed and and my feeling about the whole reaction to it is it's been overwhelmingly negative there's been there's been nothing, no one positive saying, finally, this is happening. This is a good thing. Let's help this, these people with this goal that they're trying to achieve, which should be our goal as well. There's no collaboration, no sort of, uh, I mean, I know you've invited her on the show and that's, that's great, but, uh, it, it felt like it came off the back of, oh, she can't code. Might as well, you know, spend a day teaching her. Well, I wouldn't want her to think that I would invite her on the show to, you know, set her up to knock her down because, you know, I genuinely wouldn't do that. Why would you spend a day teaching her how to code and not, uh, you know, some kids or some school kids or someone young who needs to learn to, some 20 something who needs a career change? Well, I'd be happy to do that too. I mean, I've not got involved with Code Club because obviously, you know, that's another initiative which has been going for a while now. Um, I saw one of the founders of that, Linda Sandvik. She was talking about Code Club at an event in Scarborough last year, which is the first time that I've really been aware of that. Um, and I suppose a lot of it is time. You know, I suppose if I was, if I was going to, um, devote time to something like Code Club, then it would be, it would be a dedicated time. I'd have to commit to to that. Why does it have to be someone else's initiative that you? I mean, this is what this is what's disappointing about. Everybody should be teaching other people. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter how long it is. You should be just like, just take five minutes and explain something to someone, and it, it, they might be interested in it. You don't need an initiative that someone announced to you last year that you have to follow an RSS feed and get emails on. It just seems like uh, it seems like kind of opting out. I don't know. I mean, it is a time thing. Everybody's time is valuable, and of course, in the consulting world, time is money. But like. You know, if we have to, if we have to wait for someone to do this and then just shut them down completely, telling them, telling, and someone was, someone mentioned on Twitter today that she probably didn't know how to turn her computer on. And it's like, man, just like, don't just miss the point and then just go in a completely different direction. 
and attack the person personally and just don't get kids learning code. It just well, it did make me wonder who we might have preferred to be at the head of such an initiative. You know, did they have to have a degree in computer science, for example? You know, do they have to be some kind of subterranean nerd? We could go under- years and find the exact right person and spend five years holding auditions for them. But it just wouldn't, it wouldn't get the, wouldn't get the kids in school learning, learning code. If everybody said, yeah, look, okay, this is great. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna help out with this. And the overwhelming response was positive. And the government might see, hey, look, you know, actually people do want this. And there are a lot of people who are gonna help with this. And if we need to call on anybody, you know, here's a great big list of people who can help out. And, and, and that might be a collaborative way forward. But it's, I, I think by, by attacking this, you know, you might take the whole process back another two years. Now, I think the thing that concerns a lot of people, and it goes with lots of government um, initiatives in different areas, uh, is that we want this thing to succeed and therefore we need the right people to be involved in it. And Lottie's performance on Newsnight with the best will in the world did not come across well as the person who was in charge of this initiative. And I'm not just talking about the fact that she said that she couldn't code. I'm talking about the way that she presented the project and the way that she explained what code was. And we can talk about that in a minute. It didn't come across very well. And, you know, we look at, for example, um, people that are on the advisory board of the, the project. And some people, I'm not saying it's me, some people might go, well, what can they contribute? You know, we need to make sure that children are being taught the right things, you know, for the future of the industry as well as for the future of the kids. Um, and I think that there may be a suspicion amongst, you know, industry people that this is yet another miss by the government, by the authorities, by whatever you want to describe oh, by them them, as. By them, right? By, by them, by the great British they. The great Quite British, whoever, whoever's making the, you know, no, let's, let's not name any names, but it's, it's the them, right? It's them. They've done this. But that's, that I think is what people are concerned about. I don't think anybody would say, certainly anybody in the industry that I know would say that we shouldn't want kids to learn how to do what we do. You know, from an employer's point of view, from a society point of view, from a oh, yeah, point of view. If you ask them straight up, if you ask them straight up, they'd say that. But they won't do anything about it or support anything that's, you know, that's trying. At least these people are trying. At least this year of code thing is, is, is giving it a shot and it's putting something out there. And I have to, I, I don't know, I feel like I, I have to give that some credit where credit's due. Well, I think it's an expensive piece of PR, half a million pounds, or what is it, 500, 500 million pounds. Um, I forget what the figure is now. So, you know, we would hope that it works. But you know, don't get me wrong, I, I don't think that people want it to fail I think they wanted to succeed, but without their help, often their help, people, yes, often people think, well, hang on, how are they going to do it without people, without talking to people that know? And possibly one of the things that, is, you know, gets missed is that I imagine, and I'm only kind of, you know, with the best sort of faith in the world, I imagine that there are people that are writing curriculums that understand about teaching that are behind the planning of this. Um, and no, they might not be the best Python programmers in the world, but then they're educationalists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep faith with it, uh, for a while anyway. Let's give them some, let's give them some support. You know, let's have some positive attitudes behind, around this. 
That's what I, I think that's the, the, the main thing that I, makes me so sad is just how miserable it all seems. You were tweeting about it and I was like, man, just, Andy's just sounds unhappy. Well, I was sending you, <laughs> I was sending you links so that we could talk about it on the show. Yeah, those links were such, such just, oh, have you, like, if you read through those and look at the language they're using. No, I know. So I'm looking wild. at. I'm. I'm looking at. I've got links on, and I'll put the links in the it's show. The notes quickest too. way to like cut someone down, you know, just by this, this like, you know, in this writer's opinion, this and and, and this, that, and the other thing, and it's all subjective, um, page view garnering, controversial. Oh, it just, it just. Oh, I don't know. I just, I just felt like there was just no hope for our kids, ever, ever, like you know, getting some, getting some computers and getting some encouragement and someone telling them, yeah. You can. You can learn this stuff in a year if you put your mind to it. I mean, Alex, for example, you know, Alex grew up knowing how to write HTML and a bit of CSS. What do you mean he grew up knowing it? Because he was always around it. You know, he oh, at some know... point he wasn't. At some point he started. Well, okay, well, you know, but when he was six, he wasn't, you know, looking at HTML. But for about as long, how long have we been in business now? Sort of 16 years or so. So 16 minus that. He wasn't that old. You know, he was in... He was in primary school and he would come home and he would look at what I was doing. And at that point, I'd be writing HTML in a text editor. Yeah. So he was aware of what made websites. You know, it wasn't just about kind of the visual. It wasn't about drag and drop. It was about, oh, you write this strange stuff and it mm -hmm. makes mm -hmm. something happen. Mm. That I think was great. I mean, I, I think I really, really believe that children should be taught in fact everybody should be taught but children in particular should be taught html from about as early as we can teach them yep. because i mean jeremy keith he's always you know he's always predicted he's written about this a lot that html is going to last longer than anything else you know if you write a document in html the likelihood is is that you know in 50 years time you're still going to be able to open it <laughs> but, yeah, right. but you don't know that the format or the tools will be available to open a JPEG or a PNG or anything like that, um, or a Microsoft Word document or something like that in 50 yeah. years' time, right? And I think everybody should know at least basic HTML markup. You know, they should know elements. They should know attributes. I mean, it's it's not that hard to learn that, you know? Hmm. It's, it's no different. I was, you know, I explain it to clients all the time and I'll talk about, oh, this is a P tag. And, you know, it starts off with these square braces, uh, with these, um, with these brackets. And this then is it, how I got into it. And yeah, then, it, exactly and, it like and then it, you know, then you close tags with a slash and that's the end. And then LI stands for list item. And they go, oh, well, I can get this now. Right. They understand it's easy for people once they know what they need to do. And I'm not talking about them having to make complete web pages. They just need to know how to mark up their content. That's that's all that normal people ever need to know how to do. And the, and I, I like that. I like that. I think I think that the best part about it is the the knowledge that that information is learnable. That 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 there is a structure to it, and that it's something that it can be explained in that way. You know, something that we forget is just how accessible the information is to people who want to learn it. Once when you don't know and you don't know where to look it up, it's hard. But as soon as you've got that that hook, that first thing where you're like, oh, I see, you know, this person's explained something to me, there's more of this, uh, I can read the next thing, you know, you, you start to get a little bit of momentum. And then it's an unstoppable force, or it can be if you're interested in it. Some people genuinely aren't, and that's fine. I remember clients asking, it's like, oh, could we add this, you know, whatever it will be into the CMS to do uh, LIs? You know, can yeah. we have, can we have, can we have a, 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 what you see is what you get interface to do, you know, bulleted lists or something in expression engine, whatever it be at the time. And you just think, Jesus, 
just write U-L-L-I. It's not hard. You know, I could probably teach you how to write a list and put it into um, a CMS. It's not hard. In it's a not fraction hard of the time than it but would be foreign. for me to write that bloody functionality. It's foreign. It's unfamiliar. And it's it, it, it makes you feel afraid when you don't know how something works or whether you're getting it right. It makes you feel afraid of the unknown. And in fact, languages throughout history and the gaps between languages have been one of the biggest fear, uncertainty and doubt techniques of, of all time. You know, to, to not know what someone's saying or not know how, how a language works is, uh, is very, um, what's the word? It makes you feel alienated from, from, from something. And if it's, if it's code on a page, if it's someone speaking French, you know, the, the same deal. Ten minutes a day helps with either. I think the worst thing is when something makes you feel stupid because you can't understand yeah. it or you can't learn it or something like that. And I get like this all the time. You know, I'll, I'll read a, a tutorial or something in the, that needs the command line or, you know, pseudo this or RM that and, you know, boom, I'm gone. And I, I feel angry and I feel stupid because, you know, it's, it's, it's not something I understand. But at the same time, I suppose, you know, I don't understand how I get government funding. You know, I don't have to, I don't understand how I can sit in a, mm. how I, you know, could possibly sit in a, you know, a meeting room with George Osborne. <laughs> uh, I don't know who that is. People, it's, like, it's, it's the Chancellor of the Exchequer, mate. So you, you, you know, you know, him aside. That's the thing. So, and obviously, you know, Lottie knows how to do that. People have different skills. As I was saying before, people have different skills. Yeah. She sounds like a person that we, that we could do with on our side. If she's got these kind of connections and can do this stuff. And enthusiasm. I don't think that you can doubt that. One of the things, and what I did was I transcribed the, uh, the Newsnight interview. Um, and I, I posted it on my blog this week because my first reaction to it was to be snarky and sarcastic. Yeah. And do you ever read the Macalope? No. Ah, oh, brilliant. He's a, he's a, a Mac pundit skewer, basically. He's half, half Mac, half antelope. <laughs> I, I know of it. I, I Trust me. Read it. Yeah, but you might, but, but re- listeners might not. Anyway, he, he does these classic things where he'll, you know, he'll literally take somebody apart, some kind of stupid Mac pundit, you know, some, some guy that's walked talking about um writing oh. about wall street and apple stock price or what oh, they I need see. to do next or you know and he he takes them apart with these really kind of uh clever funny but very cutting little jibes that he interjects between the paragraphs the quotes right yeah. and i'd love to be able to write like him and i my first reaction when i when i, I thought i need to I need to get this out. My first reaction was actually to, you know, to do that was, was to be snarky. And then I thought better of it because, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be negative about this. The thing is that that sort of snark gets page views and, and people click it and link it and starts discussions. And I feel like with the dec- democratization of both the media and, and the internet and Twitter, it becomes a kind of a pissing contest, if you'll, if you'll pardon the phrase. If we don't have to bleep that out. It becomes a, 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 a thing where you, you try and get the most people reading it. You try and create a discussion. And sometimes to create a discussion, you have to invent both sides. You know, you have to invent uh, a bad guy and a good guy. And you have to be a bit of a, bit of a dick about something. And, and it means that your writing sounds awfully clever and you sound much, much funnier and more interesting than the other person. And that becomes your goal, right? That's, that's, that's the thing. You try and sound good written down. And I've, I'm guilty. I've done this so many times. 
Um, and, and I just, I don't think it's, I don't think it's nice. Like, I don't think it's where, if I had kids, I don't, I don't think I do, I don't. It, but I do, well, that's not the, that's not the impression that I would want to give. That's not the example I would want to set. Would not be, you know, let's cut people down and tell them that they're wrong and that we're smarter than them and that they haven't done their research. It, it's all very well and, and they, and they may have, but just don't give them any, don't give them the publicity and just, just ignore it. Go, go on with things, you know. Get the kids, get the kids in, in schools learning code rather than tearing apart some inconsequential person who happened to try and get this going first. Well, let's, let's move on slightly because you mentioned teaching people to code. Yeah. To use your phrase there. And that was something else that people picked up on this week um was exactly what coding means and i have to confess i have to confess that not because i'm some kind of you know language monster or whatever i'm not you know language pedant um but i was confused as to what lottie was talking about and reading the uh, year of code website it doesn't give go into any details as to exactly what you know coding really means in practice you know what languages and what confused me and you know maybe you can just correct me on this but but you know when coding is used as a verb right yeah as opposed to you know it, it gets confused with code it makes code right almost like a generic term it's like well code what it's like you're coding it's like what's well, coding's like knitting is it it's you know it's writing like, code writing but, any kind of code but then, you know, as coding as opposed to programming was another thing that people Oh, it's the same thing. Coding, coding, in my view, encapsulates any time that you are writing things that a computer understands. Any time you're writing Markdown, code, uh, CSS, you're writing stuff into a computer and it's doing stuff for you. You're making the computer work for you. Yeah, but it's and... a confused message, though, because... Oh, I don't... Really? People, yeah, because people oh. like you and me um, will say something like, I'll just code that up now. Right, because we know that that's a shorthand for you know writing HTML and CSS, or you know writing some Ruby or some PHP. Yeah, you know, writing know, things that the computer, like working on the computer to make it. But we know that that's that's a shorthand. Um, but that shorthand, I think, can confuse people. I mean, it did with that that lot with the interview that Lottie gave on Newsnight. She 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 confused things all the time. Um, she was you know for example you know switching between websites and applications it's like when she said um if i'd have learned coding in school i could have written my website or maybe an app well maybe oh, she they're could. the same they're the same thing forget it they're the same thing that things on a computer for the purposes of this conversation a website and an application are both things that you make that people then use that you make the computer be in the middle of and so you can you can code an app you can program a website you can do the opposite to either but this is the most meaningless and arbitrary conversation in the history of the world whether whether we should be calling this coding or programming i think it's a total red herring and like why why are we talking why are we talking about this i don't think it is irrelevant no, why is I, it why are you, are you confused when i say i i was doing some coding today no because i understand what you were doing Right. I understand that you were sitting there writing PHP or Ruby or JavaScript or something into. I was writing something. Right. I was writing. I was was programming the computer. I was telling it to do something. This is what. Writing the actual physical code, sitting there looking at parentheses. This is what Lottie said in the interview. She said, and I'll quote, 
Code is the language you use to instruct computers. I think that's the best way of describing it. So it's how you make computers do things. Yeah, that's what I just said. But it's so much more than that, isn't it? It is! Fine! I don't... Just get started with one thing and take it from there and your understanding of it will grow and you will become aware of what the difference is. Personally, I thought that the way that you made computers do things is by, you know, clicking a mouse or tapping with your finger on a tablet that's how you make computers oh that's do how things. you yeah that's how you use the applications and websites that someone else has built that's how you manipulate software that that is created but generally speaking and this is changing with things like origami and these visual coding environments visual programming environments if you will but yeah you have to sit down and you, and you have to write code and that's always true and that's coding this and is what that code can be programming say. and it can be scripting and it can be uh, debugging. It can. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that we can do that that just comes under this umbrella of sitting there at the computer working with working with the language of the computer. Here's what it says on the Code Club website, which I really like. The Code Club website. It says, and I quote again: "Okay, the projects we make teach children how to program by showing them how to make computer games, animations, and websites." Cool. Great. Terms one and two will use Scratch, whatever that is, to teach the basics of programming. Term mm-hmm. three will teach the basics of web development using mm-hmm. HTML and CSS. Term four will teach Python and so on, right? Now, yep. that to me is clear, and it, it clearly says to somebody who doesn't necessarily know what the hell we're talking about that they're, you know, we are programming the computer. You know, we are writing, using a programming language, which may be different. In fact, is different to web development with HTML right. and CSS. Those two things are different. We are not conflating the two things together and saying code. And that's what irks me. And I think irks a lot of other people is it makes it sound as if Coding is, you know, one homogenous thing. Now, I know that it's all the same thing when you're, you're literally sitting there writing a text editor. Yeah. But, but as we talked about earlier on, you know, it's a different mindset. You know, writing HTML requires a different set of skills and a different kind of, you know, brain pattern. It doesn't matter. To writing PHP or JavaScript. It does. It's a That's a thing that you discover as you're doing it. And everybody's brain needs to learn how to do that. And you get there through lots of time doing it. And... And this, this, this time that we're spending arguing, literally arguing over whether we should be. And I, listen, I'm the biggest language pedant in the world. This is me. I'm the, I'm the semicolon guy. I, I, I use them and I know when to use them. I feel like I know when to use them. I probably don't. This language is like that. But when it comes to this, when it comes to the meaning and difference of these two words, which are both very new and coding, to, you know, to code as a verb is, is, <laughs> is brand new. It's only two years old. I would say this this word. It's been in the common lexicon. Uh, it's 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 immaterial. The word is still gaining its meaning, and and um, I think it detracts from the whole point of teaching more people how to do this important fourth skill after reading, writing, and the other one. Well, you know me. I'm a I'm I'm a message guy, right? <laughs> That's what I'm about. I'm about clarity of communication. I hope you know my medium being you know visual, right? So I care that the message gets across, uh-huh. and I think that if you lump everything together as Lottie did, and as it says on the website, just as coding, we teach children to code. I don't think it's clear enough, and I don't okay. think that it. I, I, I don't think it gives the subject the se- degree of seriousness that it deserves 
it sends well, out the wrong message. I think. I, I, I've got, I've got one here. Here's, here's a thought. What about if what they are actually teaching these kids is not the code itself so much, and not the HTML, the JavaScript, and the Python, but the actual mentality that you sit down and 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 code at a computer. You sit down and you write code at a computer. The methodology of the physical act of doing it. Then, in that case, I don't think programming is the right word to use. I don't think, uh, you know, software development is even the right word to use. The actual process of sitting down and using the computer to build something, we need. We don't have a word for that. That that accurately fits all web design and and design and and, and programming and, and all of these things. I don't think we have a word for it. That's right. Um, coding will do for now. Call it call it whatever you want. The, the message gets across that these kids are going to learn how to use these computers to, to create things, which is what the code is doing. They're writing the code that, that makes these things. But let's not, you know, let's not hamper the, the progress of this important restructuring of our educational system by focusing on these two inconsequential words. Well, you see, I don't think they are inconsequential. And I think it's about the clarity mm-hmm. of the message. And I think that the clarity of the message is um, diluted. Yeah, you may, you may be right. In fact, you're probably right about the message not being clear enough. I just think we need some time, and that will come. It, it, you're turning a really big ship here when you're, when you're talking about the public's um, approach to, you know, to, to programming and to even using a computer in anything else but Word. There's a lot of public knowledge about how computers work and it's it's a slow it's a slow process you know it's going to take time and maybe in a year we'll have a much better defined set of words for this but um it's it's just gonna it's gonna happen it's a it's a folksonomy or whatever it is it's gonna... i want to talk about um public perception of our industry in a minute um because i think that's a very good um segue actually mm. um, but before we do that i need to do another sponsor who have we got? It's Shopify. Oh, nice. Yeah, great, isn't it? So Shopify is everything that you need to start selling online today. That's what they say. Now, as somebody that runs a design business, one of the things that attracted me to Shopify at the beginning was, as I explained to clients, it takes care of the business end out of developing a store, and it leaves us to concentrate on design, which I think is what we do best. And... I had a conversation with a client today. I had a new person phone up wanting to uh, create an online store. They've had a website for like six or seven years. It was the sort of thing that was back in the day, you know, developed with, I think it was ASP. Um, there might even be a, an access database knocking about there somewhere. <laughs> Can you remember oh, those? FileMaker, yeah. And uh, this thing's kind of creaking. You know, it's it's falling to pieces and they're interested in a new uh, a new store. So when I explained to them how, you know, it's common now for people to use uh, designers like me to design the user experience and the visual feel of, of a site, uh, of a store, and then let something like Shopify take care of the business end, they really got that. They really understood that. And that's how I think about it. I recommend Shopify um, because I know lots of people and lots of companies that I respect they use it too. People like Eight Faces, uh, Book Apart, Five Simple Steps, Hardgraft, United Pixel Workers. They all use Shopify. And one of the nice things is that if you look at all of those sites, you just never know that they're all built on the same platform. Yeah, I've heard good things, such good things from a few of those people actually about it as well. They use it and they like it. 
Well, Shopify is easy to learn and their documentation and video tutorials. Uh, they even run workshops too. They're available if you join their free partner program. And that's the gateway for building sites for your clients with Shopify. That's what we're starting to do. Plus, through the partner program, you'll earn 20% revenue share for every store you bring to Shopify, which is another incentive. It's not, you know, what gets me out of bed every morning, but, you know, every little helps. And that's how you start. And that's what I did this week. Joined the partner program and logged into the account. And then when you're in the partners area, you can see how much affiliate revenue you've earned, which at the moment is zero. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm just getting started. And if you're just getting started, then the most important thing is starting with a development store. And you can learn about Shopify while making any number of fully featured and non-time-limited development stores. And these stores are free. They're free Shopify accounts that you can make for working on themes or apps or getting a store ready for a client. And there's no time restriction. All the functionality of a normal plan's there. The only thing you can't do is just take payment. And once you've developed a store with inside your development area, you can then move that live. It's brilliant. And that's what I'm doing. I'm setting up a little shop to sell our branded microfiber cloths, you know, the ones that we had for workshop attendees. Oh, everybody, nice. Yeah, everybody really likes those, and it makes sense to sell them rather than having them sitting in a box in the storage unit. So I'm going to tell you more about how we're getting on next time we're on the show. Can so, I uh, well, Do you know what? I'll probably send you one for free. Ooh, yes. No, they are lovely, actually. We, we had them made in China and, um, they, they are, they're really nice things. We've got boxes and boxes and boxes of them. Uh, the minimum order was 5,000. So, you know, we've got a few left. As someone who's worn glasses for a long time. Oh, they're good for glasses. Oh, 5,000. I found these, these Pentax ones. You know how you find a brand and you stick with them? I found camera cloths from the 80s. Ah, no, better than that. Anyway, we, we digress. Because we should be talking about Shopify and not, <laughs> not my cloths. So I'm going to really enjoy using Shopify. And I think if my experience is anything to go by, then you're going to do too. So you can join the free partner program like I did. Go to unfinished.bz slash Shopify and get started with Shopify. Right. Let's get back to the topic. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling through my vast pages of notes. Wow. Trying to find where we got to. The the thing was, right, as well as – and this comes out of the interview because I think this is you know mainly where most people are getting their information from. Um, as well as being concerned about the whole kind of year of code thing in general, you know, all the stuff that we talked about before, mm -hmm. you know, what coding meant and everything else, I was more concerned actually about the message that she sent out to people – about our industry and about what we do. Um, and I thought, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not being nasty, but I thought that for somebody that is, let's say, underqualified in the technical area, okay. I mean, she's highly qualified in other areas. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, That's you know, fine. underqualified in the areas that we're talking about. In, you know, and actually in terms of understanding what people like you and me do every day. She sent out a message that I think totally misrepresents the industry. You know, anybody that writes code. Um, and she said a couple of things in that Newsnight interview that I thought were, I think offensive is too strong a word, but certainly makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Uh, she said, and again, I quote, for example, you can actually build a website in an hour. So you can learn very, you can learn very quickly, completely from scratch. 
So over this year, I'm going to see what I can achieve. Who knows? I might be the next Zuckerberg in 12 months time. <laughs> now, okay. Now I know that you're going to think I'm a pedant, right? And I know that you can build a website in an hour. You know, you might but have a simple HTML page. That's all you need. I mean, that's a yep. website, right? You know, yep. you can, you can write something in HTML. You can stick on a server. That's a website. We're not, a talk- website. we're not talking about, you know, fancy parallax or jQuery <laughs> or anything like that. You know, Apes, websites mm. don't need those apes. Nothing like that. If you, if you've got an HTML page and it's online, it's a website. Yeah. And just, you could parts, go from that. Right. You can mm-hmm. go from mm-hmm. that through and you might, you know, use something like, I don't know. They're not sponsors, but you know, we can mention Squarespace or Tumblr. Or something else. I don't care what it forge. is. Or forge, right? <laughs> Whatever these things are. I like the way you slip that in, right? Yes. So you can do it. But when you say to somebody on national television, for example, you can build a website in an hour, she didn't really mean what I just said. She was, I think, undervaluing what it takes to actually do what we do professionally. And I know that people will go, yes, but there's a huge difference. You know, somebody can't afford, um, you know, what you do. So Squarespace is fine, which of course it is. Um, but that's really not what she was saying. I don't know if the, I don't know if the microphone is picking up the voluminous size on this end. <laughs> go on, go on. I feel like okay. I have finished. So I was, I was, I was, um, I'm curious. I was, I was, I won't say offended, but I was, I was concerned about the perception that that might give because you know what it's like. And I know that we joke about it. I know that we joke about it, right? But everybody knows somebody that makes websites and the whole kind of nephew in a bedroom thing that, you know, often we compete against. Um, I think that there is, and I've tweeted about this recently. I think that there is a strange perception of what uh-huh. web design is in the mind of the general public, right? Yeah. And in the mind of often people that want to buy websites from us, including yeah. the guy that, you know, sent me an email last week when I told him how much <laughs> it was going to be. It's like £5,000 for a website. You know, I could learn that in a week. Get my nephew to do it in his basement. Well, yeah, no wonder he thought that, no wonder he thought that he could learn it in a week because, you know, Lottie just said you could do it in an hour. So well, that sure, thing, I that thing sure. kind of devalues. I don't, uh, I don't we know. Do. I don't know. I think it, I think it, it might seem like it does, but I think the reality of it is that given an hour, given, given a year or an hour or some time to try this stuff, people are going to realize that there's a big difference between being bad at it and being good at it. It's such a new industry that it's, it's a very much a haves and a have not. It's like the Gutenberg press. It's, it's this new thing that can make stuff and some people know how to operate it. So you get the wrong idea if you have no experience with it. And that's what I think they're trying to help with. These kids that go through this year of code can, uh, can have a little bit of experience and, they, and they'll know. And I think we might, we might end up with a generation that maybe has a, an inkling of understanding that you can do this in an hour, but a really good one is going to take three weeks and costs X thousand pounds, you know? I think the difference is, right? I mean, I know that I can't snowboard because I fall over and break things, which is always happens, right? So, you know, I understand that I can maybe learn how to uh, snowboard. I'm sorry, I'm imagining you snowboarding. This is this is gold. It's hilarious. This was, are there photos of this? There are. No, there are no photos. There are no videos, but there are photos of this. And I've told I've told this to this story before because i fell over my first time are the videos of you snowboarding so short that they could be considered photos 
Anyway, right? What we're saying, I mean, I, you can say you can learn to snowboard in an hour, but you're not going to be, you know, hitting the piece at Whistler and, and zinging down the mountainside, you know. Yeah. At yeah. And you realize hour, this right? after that hour, right? <laughs> you do with my experience, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> and I think that, I think that we understand that, but I think, again, it comes back to perception. And I honestly think that people have a low perception. Um, a low value perception of what yes, it takes absolutely. to build what we build and design what we design. And it's not just about the technical and it's not just about the creative. I mean, I know she was joking, but when you say that, you, you know, I might be the next Zuckerberg in 12 months time. Well, you know, because all you need is, is, is HTML and CSS. Oh, she might, you know, all you need is HTML, CSS to make a prototype and get someone interested. And then you've got a couple program. It can happen. You know, it can happen. You can start with very little. And as long as you're willing to like give it a shot, people will be inspired by your enthusiasm and get behind you. I'm not saying that she's going to be the next Zuckerberg. And I'm not saying that she was serious, but man, like there is a, every, every, journey and this will be a journey for the world to learn how computers work begins with that single first step which is that hour or that year and you can look at it one of two ways you can look at it as saying listen kids (laughs) you can build a website in an hour but to really get good at this will take you years and pain and hours and it's a difficult thing to do but and that they're just is not, not going to learn it but they're that not is learn, not, not what, that is not what she said and I, there's another quote here she which was is optimistic kind of, about this and this I, is so it's, rare it's not about optimism it's it's not about optimism i think it's i think without wanting to offend lottie it's about naivety and it's certainly about miscommunication because she said and i'll quote again this is the last time i do it she said the tools on the internet are so cheap and they're so easily available now that you can set up your own online profiles. Well, I mean, is that Facebook? I don't know. Start a website. Uh-huh. She, then she said, and this is, this is the meat of it. I started a campaign. She was responsible for the million jobs kind of like youth unemployment project last year. That's kind of yeah. you know, her thing, right? So she said, okay. I started a campaign last year. And if I'd have learned code at school, I would have done my own website. Yeah. I would have done my own app. I would have done my own graphics. I would have saved a hell of a lot of time, a hell of a lot of money, and I think I'd have done it better. Now, (laughs) you can see where I'm going with this, can't you? Yeah, it's a very naive way to look at it. It's very naive. And do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when Steve Barmer laughed at the iPhone. And he said, you know, you can, it's the most expensive phone ever made, and it's not a good business machine because it doesn't have a keyboard. Why can I remember this word for word? (laughs) And he said... You can get, you know, I'm talking about Windows Mobile, and he said, you know, you can get Windows Mobile on a Motorola Q phone, and it will do email, it will do music, <laughs> it will do the internet, and it's like, no, yeah, but it does it. It's yeah, <laughs> right. Um, and I just think that maybe if she'd have learned HTML in school, which is, you know, what I'm talking about, um. She'd know the difference. She right? would know the difference. She'd then go on. If she'd, she'd be able to do all of those things. She'd be able to build her own website. Now, and you know, this kind of conflation of, um, websites and apps, you know, well, if I'd have learned to code as in one monolithic thing, like you learn, I don't know, physics or history. Right. Or something like that. Then you can somehow do your own, uh, website and app as if they're the kind of the same thing. It, it, it's naivety again. And I think it puts across the, the wrong message. It is, but I think optimism and naivety uh, are linked. I think there's, I think there's something there. I think if you don't know how big the, the task is that you're that you're taking on, 
I think you stand a much better chance of actually being able to, to power all the way through it because you didn't know how big it was when you were getting started and you make that initial first step and you, and you get there, you know, you get there eventually. It takes you longer than you ever expected, but at least you started because you didn't know quite what a nightmare you were getting involved in. Well, I think you know? also that one of the good things about an initiative like this is you want to take down these perceived barriers to entry, right? And I think right. that's what it's about. You know, I don't want, I don't want people looking at a website thinking, man, you have to be a, you know, bearded, prof- handsome professional. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to be able to build websites, right? It certainly yeah. doesn't hurt. It needs to be, you know, we want what we do to be accessible, right? Yeah. But I think that it has to have the right, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Mm. So I want people to be, to, to not think that they can't do it. I mean, you know, that's, I love teaching. I love education. I want to, I want to teach people that they can do stuff. And I think that if that's what this program does, then that's an incredibly important thing. Um, to break down these kind of barriers to entry. And the other thing, which I think is incredibly important, is inspiring kids to actually want to do this stuff, not to sit back and go, well, you know, I consume websites, I consume apps, you know, I can I can use what somebody else makes, but to be able to think that I can make one of these things myself. Yeah. That that is incredibly important. You know, that feeling, right? Getting the, yeah. the message across. Getting them excited and getting them inspired to want to learn more about a subject. I mean, that is really what it's all about. I think this whole response is doing the opposite. It's painting a a reasonably bad light about our industry if we're all calling this person an idiot because she can't code. No, absolutely. I think that that's, that's completely the wrong thing to do. It's just counter... I mean, we can we can say all these things and these things can still be true, but... The tone and, and the and the feeling behind this industry that we represent and the, and the people that, that work in the same field as we do is being represented by, like, a lot of negative feeling towards these people that are trying to change stuff. And I don't know if there's a, if there's a way around this now. I think we might be stuck in this entitled, we can do this, you can't, it's very difficult, look how much money we can charge. Uh, I think, I think there, I think there is something in that. I think we are doing that. It's as though, it's sort of a class system, right? It's it's like saying, oh, she can't code. She's she's she can't. What's she talking about? She can't talk about this stuff. She's obviously wrong because she can't. She can't. Co- and we can. You know, we we can charge for it. We can run businesses where we build websites and applications and make vast sums of money with Flappy Bird on the App Store. I don't want that. I don't think that her opinion on whether kids should be able to code is any less valid than than mine because she can't write a line of JavaScript. There was a time when I couldn't, and I probably would have thought and felt the same way, but, you know, in her own way, she's doing it. And how have we, how have we responded? How are we helping her out? You know, are we, are we pointing out helpfully that like, here, hey, you know, here's, here's some things to get started. This looks like an interesting thing. This is a new, this is a new perspective for me to have, I think. Yeah, no, I, I completely, completely agree. Naive, hopeful optimism that, that perhaps one day we might get there. I think without that, I don't know if we can change it. The, the, the educational system at the moment, um, with its obvious notable exceptions for people who are teaching this stuff is, is not, is not geared up towards individual creativity or, you know, or, or even, or even change. I don't think a syllabus has changed a huge amount in a long time. So introducing a new topic is never easy, especially when you've got to teach all the teachers how to do it first. Right. But, but I mean, how, how else are we going to get there? 
no, I completely, I completely agree. And I think that if there's something that we as individuals or as an industry collectively can do, you know, whether it's part of a government initiative or it's part of, you know, just something kind of ad hoc, then I think that's extremely valuable. My main issue, and I just, and just the last time I mentioned it because I think it's important. No, no, I think it's important for yeah, yeah. people out there that, do actually make their living doing this kind of stuff like you know like i do like we do Mm. um inspiring people um to want to do something is i think incredibly important but that's not to say that we should imply as lottie did that um once you learn to code in inverted commas, then you'll be able to do all of these things with what seemed like little effort now i know that she was only it was only like a five minute spot on news nights right yeah, But again, it comes back to the message. And, you know, I think about Alex. I always bring everything back to Alex, um, who's having PhD interviews right now. Nice. And how can you believe that? You know, he was taught about geology in school and he got excited about geology in school, but it right. didn't make him a geologist, right? He didn't feel entitled or qualified to say, I'm a geologist, right? Because he knew about, you know, volcanoes in school. Yeah, that's true. And we teach kids about biology. Lottie mentioned in the interview, you know, well, I got taught about the human body in, you know, in biology in school, right? But nobody implied that that was enough for her to become a surgeon, right? These are science. These are science subjects. Nobody, yeah, said, nobody implied that, creative. well, hang on a minute. If you get A level geology, A level biology, Lottie, you know, you can take out your own appendix, right? It's not good. Nobody did that. In fact, it makes me, no, well, okay. It makes me think, you know, it's like saying, it's like saying, you know, you went, you did art at school, so you couldn't be an artist. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you have, that you have to be, not saying that at all. It's a creative topic. By, by learning some at school, you have the beginnings to do it. By learning French at school, you can start to speak French. You're Starting not French. to speak French. Exactly. And that's my point. That's exactly my point is that what we're not doing or we shouldn't do is to imply that just because you can learn to code uh-huh. in its entirety from start to finish in uh-huh. school, that you will uh-huh. then be able to, you know. Oh, I see. Is that what she said? Did she say she, you could learn and finish coding in a year? I think I that's think how people interpreted it. Oh, I think it's it, how I interpreted it. I understood it. it as being you could learn how to become familiar with the concept of sitting down and writing programming languages in a year. I think that I want to get to the bottom of why people out there, normal people that don't you know, design and develop websites like we do, uh-huh. why they have sometimes – I mean, not everybody, obviously – but why they have or put a low value or – low perception um on what we do um which they don't have for example with architects or surgeons yeah, yeah or, or surgeons or biologists etc and you know architects is probably a good one right just because you know you learn technical drawing as i did in school did you know didn't make mean that i can you know design my own extension so people have this perception about web designers and developers um, and I, and I want to know why. And I was concerned more than mm. anything. I was concerned that the message that should be coming through from discussions about year of code, um, were not necessarily the right messages. Um, and that's what concerned me most of all. Maybe I'm just an old grump. New Zealand had this. I'm from New Zealand and New Zealand had a problem recently that we called 
that we called a brain drain. And, uh, it was, it was, uh, sort of talented, interesting intellectual people, uh, who left. And they would just leave because there was much more money for them and much more opportunity for them in other countries. And they just, there was no reason really for them to stay. And it was a real problem for the country where it's <laughs> brightest and best and most valuable. The young employees were just bailing and going to, coming to England, going to America. I did it. I left. I'll go back eventually, but, but I, I left because the work is better elsewhere. And, you know, on a, on a small level, you think, oh, you know, whatever. That's fine. Do your OE come back. But on a big level, it's like, man, you smartest people are leaving to, to work somewhere else. It's the one industry, I think, at the moment, or it's the one most visible industry, at least for me, where there is a lot of work, not enough people doing the work, heaps of, of demand. Even in San Francisco, the, the sort of the mecca, the hub of all of this stuff, they just, there's not enough people to go around to do all the work. And if we're not encouraging kids to do that, I mean, someone will. And it'll be someone you don't expect. I think, I've heard, I've heard, uh, I read an article about, I think it was Vietnam, where the kids are just, being taught this stuff and they're taking it seriously and you know they're making they're making progress. Some of them will some of them will give up and go and do something else and we'll have architects or whatever, but some of them will get through it and, and will will be good. And maybe some country I think will focus on this and and hopefully be like a beacon to the world if their their education system actually bothered keeping up with the times, you know. And I think England could do it. I haven't seen any proof so far that indicates that they that they could or will. Or Wales, or Scotland, or, or Northern so, Ireland. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so foreign. God, that's my foreign show. But the United Kingdom, the United Kingdom, Britain, the United Britain, could change this. Could change this about the way that their education system is is structured. But I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just don't see the tech industry taking off here and and being being a driving force in the economy, and it sucks. I wish it would. I wish this thing would do well, and I wish we could come together over something and be excited about it instead of bickering over, <laughs> over which word defines See, what But now we're now we're, we're ending the show on a on a downer. We need oh, to we end need on to a bring, positive note. We're going to sing Purple Rain. I want to. We are no, no. We can't tempt oh. fate again. I've been half every e- time I check my letterbox. I've been half expecting a a, a takedown notice on the podcast. <laughs> It's a, it's a performance, right? Performance is all right. I, it was an interpretation of the of the classic. I think is what how we could describe it. Yeah, I think you wouldn't have any problems. So we need a, we need some sort of topical topical positive note to end on. Do you have any, do you have any positive note? No, I think the positive note is that actually I think that this could be very inspiring. Yeah, and maybe this is the start. Maybe what I don't want, what I don't want is I don't want this to be the last that we hear of it. And I don't want it to be the last that we hear of Lottie Dexter. Um, because actually I think that the whole, um, project, the whole experiment is interesting and could be very inspiring. And I hope that it just doesn't become one of these other kind of, uh, I don't know boring, neglected, money-sinking government projects, which I think is what people think it's going to be. I think that it's going to be, you know, yet another um, example of governments not understanding what goes on in the real world, and therefore it just becomes a taxpayer's money sink. I think that's what people that are criticising genuinely think it's, it's going to be. And, you know, I really hope that it's not. That's an upbeat note. We should end there. 
This is your year of code. Everybody, if you're listening to this, inspire someone to learn it. That's the positive note I was looking for. There it is. There we go. We should wrap up. Seriously, we should wrap up. Thank you for um, providing a, a contrary point of view. It wouldn't be interesting if it didn't have two sides. <laughs> so people can follow you, Elliot, on Twitter. You are Elliot Kemba, two L's, two T's. Or me, at Malarkey. To ask questions or suggest topics, you can message the show on Twitter at unfinishedbz, or you can email me, he has at unfinished.bz. Thanks again to our sponsors this week. They were Logical Elements and Shopify, and you can support the show by supporting them. <laughs>